Welcome to another episode of Problem Busters with myself, Jonathan, and the Honourable Ollie. Hello, Jonathan. I think you're Hello. quite honourable too. Oh, you see? Oh, <laughs> that's how it feels when I say it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's, it's quite a big compliment. So. Hello, folks. Uh, Hello, Jonathan. How's your week going? It's going well, going well. Busy, a bit, uh, a bit wet as well uh, due to the weather. We're approaching uh, springtime now. Um, to all our listeners uh, around the world. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Yep. All the height of um, summer if you're in Australia or New Zealand. Oh, yes, 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 yes. We can't forget about Australia or New Zealand. Great countries. Uh, and so what are we going to do today, Jonathan? We have a guest with us. Um, we have Stacey Holland, uh, who I'll let you introduce. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't work for you, didn't I? Uh, so Stacey is the founder of the Stacey Holland Coaching Company and a practitioner of what is called soul-led coaching with at least 20 years in the corporate world behind her and having embarked on this new coaching adventure. Welcome, Stacey. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Ah, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. So we usually start with a bit about you and um, your story and and what got you to here. And I guess what's particularly interesting about your story is a couple of points. One, anything that's to do with Dubai is super interesting to me. So I'm sure we'll talk about that. And the other one is why coaching? So take it away. For sure. Yeah, thank you. So, um, I mean, why coaching? It's a big question, isn't it? When somebody decides to close a chapter on one part of their career and pivot to another. Um, but for me, it kind of felt like um, whilst leaving a, a well-established and successful corporate career was a big decision and a big leap. At the same time, it was also the most natural decision for me to take because I'd really been coaching and mentoring in my role as a leader through to really when I first started people managing a long time ago. Um, and it's the part of my role that I had always enjoyed the most, always embraced. I'd always love helping people with their personal development, with their growth. And as I kind of got closer to that over the last few years, I realized that at its essence, that was what coaching was. And that was therefore something that I really felt a pull to go and learn more about and become qualified and certified in and um and at the time actually it was how do I use this um skill set um to become even better an even better leader and an even stronger leader um and um because it's so it's so needed it's so needed in in um all sorts of businesses so I thought I'll, I'll bring that and then actually what happened was I ended up setting up my coaching practice on the side of my full-time job and it didn't take me very long to realize that actually it was the what we call the side hustle was really where the passion lay and that I wanted to move into that full-time um, and so I did that at the end of last year I transitioned out of my last uh, role which was the director at BT um, and into my coaching business full-time but at its essence like I just absolutely love helping people to really see the potential that lies within them and helping them to unlock it and make changes um, that really make them happy and fulfilled at its core. Awesome. 
Yeah, and and that really speaks to me. I I often feel like an unqualified leader, no matter how long I lead or how often. <laughs> There's just so much to learn, and we have such a duty of care to people. And there are so many different scenarios that present in leading a team, aren't there? Um, there really are. I like, and I love that. You know that you say about that duty of care. You know that's a you know, that's a real trait of somebody who is a, um, you know, I know we're going to talk about this in a bit, but a, a conscious leader is somebody who has real compassion for themselves and for those around them. So understanding that as a leader, you know, there's this phrase, the shadow of a leader. I don't know if you've heard this, but it's, you know, mm. as a leader, you have the impact to inspire and motivate um, people like so much. But at the same time, you also have the ability when that shadow is cast to have the opposite effect. Um, and, you know, what we want are more, more leaders who are just generally aware of who they are and how they're showing up every day and wanting to kind of lean more into that so that they can be genuine about what's going on for them um, and where they're at. Because the way you, you do that, it, it, that really strengthens you as a leader and that you are also making it okay for others to do the same, you know, for others to know it's okay to, you know, that we all have, we all have tricky days, don't we, as well as as well as good days. But when we role model this as leaders um, and we strengthen our ability to to show up as who we are in our fullness as leaders every day, then uh, we make it okay for others to do the same. It's incredibly powerful. Yeah. 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 And there's that that saying, isn't there? Um, uh, I can't hear what I can't hear what you're telling me because all I can see is what you're doing or, or something right. like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Your your actions speak so loudly I can't hear what you're saying. That's yeah. It. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us tell us a little bit about the um the the last few roles that you had before mm. deciding to make this um this full time side hustle, the main hustle. Um that, that got and, and I think that will include Divine, no? Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm happy to talk about Dubai. <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah. So so the the role that I was in previously was um, I was a digital director at BT, um, leading digital product. Um, that was for the last two years. Um, BT is going through a huge kind of change and transformation. So it was a really good time to join that company um, in a role that was about you know changing their digital experiences for the better to make them easier and simpler for customers to use. Um, but also a big part of that role for me was, you know, leading the team, developing the culture. Um, there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of, it was during the time, of course, with the pandemic and with lockdown. So actually the culture of the team became incredibly important and how everybody supported each other became really important. So during that time, you know, worked with a lot of volunteers across the whole of the digital team. And I think, you know, certainly then there was like a thousand people and it's a big organization within BT to, you know, set up a number of guilds that helped to everyone to support each other. So it was, you know, um, a diversity and inclusion guild, a well-being guild, social recognition, you know, all these things that become became even more important um, uh, when we were not physically in space with each other as to how are we going to have conversations and support each other and talk about what was happening in the team and for us individually um, and the world at large. How do you go about setting up a guild? Because I've heard this concept, mm. but I've not seen it in practice. And I think that's super interesting for people. Yeah, so it's actually incredibly simple. We made it very simple deliberately because I think sometimes you can, these things can be over-engineered 
Um, and actually, the beauty of it was that it was really organic. So actually, where it came from was the intention was that there would be this cultural wrapper. The, the digital team wanted this cultural wrapper some, and, and recognizing that actually this often, although the intention can be set by senior leadership, it's often um, a groundswell. It's often, you know, how it kind of lives and grows and breathes and radiates throughout a team is by the people within the team on a day to day for it to become part of the fabric of the team. So um kind of set about listening to things like employee engagement survey um, insights and hearing from people what was important and a few really key themes came up. And so it was a case of, well, you know, do we want to set up a number of guilds that would be led by volunteers from the team to who would be empowered to make changes, to, to drive change within the team for the better against a set of principles and a vision and a purpose that they crafted for their guild? And that was it. And we basically just said, I think started with four or five guilds and it was like, who's putting their hands up? Who That's likes to get really involved? Cool. And there were like people, some of them were like, you know, masses of people put themselves forward. So for example, diversity inclusion was incredibly popular and well-being incredibly popular. Um, and so, you know, we'd end up with a guild lead and then the guilds would rotate who was going to be the lead every month somebody new would step forward and say okay so and then they would kind of hold space for everybody's sessions you know whether it was a backlog of ideas that they were working through to raise awareness or um oh gosh so many different initiatives and things but it wasn't complicated it was it and, and actually what we said to them was you need to be demanding of us as the leadership team what you need from us in order to drive the change that you see on a daily basis that sometimes, let's face it, when you're in leadership roles, you don't see. Hmm. You don't see so much, right? Because a lot of the time we are in endless meetings and, hmm. uh, you know, back to back in this. And, and, and there isn't the space to kind of get into sitting and being with the team as much as we'd love to on a day-to-day -day basis. So this, one, helped to, to carve that, that time out and to um, – it helped us to become even more accountable for driving the change. And how did that look um, in terms of, uh, I understand how the, the guild could be founded and people mm -hmm. putting the hand up and that sounds really sensible. I, I like the idea of uh, the rotation, that makes sense. Mm. Um, but when you get to the business end and that, uh, let's say the, um, the diversity and inclusion guild has got to that's at the end of its first phase, if you like, and they've come up with some, um, some initiatives and some things they would like to do, what happens then? Then they put them forward. They put them forward and um, to, we would, so there'd be a number of different things that could happen. Either it was a case of there's nothing stopping you holding a um, lunch and learn session to help other people to understand what it means to be a Muslim, for example. Go, you know, you're, you don't even know, you just need to let us know you're doing that, that kind of stuff. Like, go, please go, go ahead and do that. Amazing. Um fundraising for example would we would be right go connect with the you know the, there's a central team bt's large organization of course there's a central team go speak with this person we'll line up that meeting so you can have a conversation as to why it's important you know from the digital team's perspective to be raising money to support charity x y or z for example so we would be connecting people within with other people within the wider organization to help support what it was they wanted to do um or we would just simply say you've got the platform like go for it yeah that's awesome how did you tackle 
the what I've seen to be the the number one challenge for um, for guild type activities, where folks say, "I'd love to, but I'm just so busy." It's a cracking one, actually. We would get quite regularly um, people say, "I'd love to be able to give time, but I'm struggling for time." Um, there's never an easy answer for this because actually, what we what we said as a principle was. If you're in the guild and you're the core groups, if you imagine like a guild could have 25 people in it broadly, like like I'm saying maybe one of the larger ones, but you might have only four, five, six core people and then you'll have one guild lead. So we would say like the core group um, uh, have permission. They are empowered and they have permission to to give 20% of their time to the guild for the period of time they're in that core group. So it's very much like how the, the the team kind of digital team ran anyway in terms of empowering people to best manage their time within the scrum teams that they were in and the squads that they were in, which was your time is your own. So actually, you know, as a leadership team, we're kind of saying if you can give up to 20% of your time to driving change, to supporting the guild, go have the conversation with your line manager. The line manager is aware as well. And between the two of you for this period of time, need to find a way to be able to accommodate that. You know, so that was one one way of doing it for the core group. For everybody else who wanted to give kind of an hour here and an hour there, it was really up to them to be able to create the space to do that. And um, it's really interesting because... Time is such a big topic, I, you know, and, and it's always it always comes up with pretty much every coaching client that I work with as well, as in we don't have enough time, you know, this belief that we don't have enough time. And time is the one thing we can't create more of. You know, we, we, can't, we can create more money, we can create more success and more abundance, we can be more fulfilled, we can't create more time. But what we can do is change the way that we view the time that we've got. And it's really interesting, actually, because I just bought a book, I've just started reading it, called Joy at Work by Marie Kondo, um, who did, I don't know if you've heard the book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying, the Japanese lady anyway. I have what, heard of her. Yeah, yeah. and yes, the reason yeah. I bought it is because I loved the book about tidying because actually the principle is clear up the clutter around you and you will discover so much space, so much space in your day, so much space in your environment, so much space in your mind. You know, this is t- the way that we view time. Is, it's, it's so similar. It's like... You know, actually, take, you know, and there's so many tools to help with this now. So, you know, like Microsoft Office will tell you, um, you know, Outlook will tell you how you're using your time. You know, you can get a report on that every Monday that says, you know, you spent your time here, here and here and here. And you can go, oh, that's really interesting. I spent, you know, how many time, hours I spent in admin or in e- checking emails or um, in meetings. So it's really it's an invitation, actually, to be able to say, well, if you feel passionately about supporting this cause and you're empowered to do that, how are you going to take control of that situation in order to be able to do something that you feel passionate about in a company that you enjoy working for with a purpose that you align with being given this opportunity doesn't, it's not available everywhere. Um, So, so what are you going to do to, to kind of make the most of that? And then, and you know what, those people who they make it happen, the people who really want to make it happen, they make it happen. Um, and sometimes they need to pull back. Sometimes they need to say, do you know what? I've got a big launch coming up. Hmm. So I need to pull back a bit. You know, I've got, I've got to focus. It was like, it's absolutely fine. This is voluntary. Yeah. You come and give your time when you can, you know, it's, um, yeah. 
And thank you. Yeah, and I, I, I can I can definitely see that there's a there's a factor in the line manager understanding the intent of the executive team yeah. to to create to allow people to create space to to do some good work here. Yeah. Um, I can see that's really important, and I could also see that that where this would often um, falter in organisations that are struggling um, to find time to improve themselves um, would be when the person talks to the line manager and the line manager says, "Yes, but you still need to get done." <laughs> and that's yeah, the, and that's the thing that's is your your role is your role, right? So, you know what what the and again it depends on the culture that you're in as well because mm. what you want to be let's face it we all want to be in a culture where it's just we're measured and focused on the outcome, the impact that we have, the outcome that we deliver, not the micromanage not being micromanaged the whole way through the process. So actually, if that individual says I'm clear on my goals and objectives you know, or OKRs or whatever it is they're working towards. I'm clear on what I need to be delivering in my role. Um, I'm going to do this thing as well, you know, and actually maybe for a period of time, you might see less of me in meeting X, Y, Z. Doesn't mean I'm not doing the work. Doesn't mean I'm not going to still deliver the outcome. Just means I'm going to give a little bit of focus over here to something I feel passionate about. There is endless research as well. And there's more and more companies doing this that shows that the more companies give um people the opportunity to invest their time in something they are passionate about the more engaged they are at work and it could be something outside of work so for example you know I moved down from a five-day week to a four-day week I spent the one day a week on my business and um I was so much happier in my role where I was like I was spending a day a week doing something I was I was really passionate about you know, I was fortunate enough as well to be working on this cultural wrapper. And I was so much more engaged in my role as a product director because I had this, I'd created the space to do both. So we just have to, we have to know those opportunities are there. We have to feel brave enough. We have to step into courage to ask for what we want um, and then go, how am I going to show up to be able to support myself during this and still against the expectations of what my line manager needs from me too? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, one day would like to get to the stage where I can do a day a week of podcasting and volunteering. Mm. And, uh, and I'm sure that I would be more effective to use Swedish or, or Danish um, uh, examples. I'm sure I would be more effective the rest of the week, right? Mm. Um, once, once I'd got settled into it. Um, let's talk about Dubai. And the reason I keep mm. bringing it up is I think that um, choosing to work in a different country is quite a an exciting and challenging and daunting thing for many people. Um, so do you want to just tell us a little bit about your experience? And I'm sure that some tidbits will come out of that. Challenging and exciting and daunting. Yes, <laughs> all of the above. <laughs> um, I mean, it's an extraordinary, it's an extraordinary um, experience, just even getting to the point of being offered a role overseas, let alone the bit where you actually then move and then settle in and then work and adapt to a new culture, et cetera. Um, I mean, for me, it was, you know, I, I was at that time I was working at three. I'd come back um, after having my second daughter and I was in a role that just wasn't quite the right fit for me. And, I, I, you know, it was, I kind of knew, I knew it wasn't quite the right fit and I knew I was ready for more. I was 100% ready for more. I was ready to take a next step up in my career. I knew I wanted to run a digital team. I wanted to, you know, deliver the tra deliver digital transformation. I wanted the accountability of that. Um, and I was ready for it, I, you know. And so I remember walking down Maidenhead High Street in a lunch hour one day, just really kind of feeling into it, like, like, what next? Like, you know, what my, you know, I feel, you know, I feel like something's coming, but I'm, you know, and I need a change. Anyway. 
as happens, the universe delivered. I get a phone call and it's a headhunter who says, you know, found your profile on LinkedIn, your range of experience, et cetera, et cetera. I've got this amazing opportunity. I think they'd really be keen on seeing you. Da, da, da. So vice president digital experience running this team, blah, blah, blah. I said, sounds great. Sounds really good. Um, and he said, well, there's just one thing. <laughs> I was like, what's the thing? <laughs> the thing is it's in Dubai. And I went, oh, right, <laughs> okay. And, but I was just, I was just so ready for it. I was like, do you know what? I'm just, give me a chance. And I was at a point as well in my life at home and with the kids and my husband. And, you know, we still talk about that time now where we were just like, the, the, one of the biggest um, drivers in our decision, you know, our collective decision to go and move overseas, like pack the family up and go overseas was we were just, we felt like we were in a, stuck in a routine that we couldn't see a way out of. And that was like, it was just, it was really a sense of, we desperately were looking for some adventure and some change and some variety. And there was nothing wrong with how things were, you know, it was perfectly kind of normal. And, um, you know, we were fortunate. We had all our friends and family around us, all the rest of it. But there was just that call for something more, just something more, and just wanting to really shake things up a bit. <laughs> and so that's exactly what came, was really shaking things up a bit, which wasn't just a new job. It was a new job and a complete move overseas. Wow. Do you know what? I just, I assumed... Um, mm. that that you'd made that move before family because oh, because so no. many would right because what you've mm. uh, what you've done is is such a um is such a challenge for so many good for you thank you and hey. it was that was probably the part that made it the hardest decision really I mean my husband and I I've, we've still got him found it the other day actually pros and cons list pages pages pros and cons pros and cons like you know are we, you know are we making the right decision is this the right thing to do um, and you know, the kids were very little at the time. They were just two and three years old. Um, and you know, family were heartbroken. I mean, it's difficult news to break to say, you know, we're moving overseas and it's I've not. done it twice. Yes. You it ha- right. You're so coming no. back though, right? You're coming back in a few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, <mum. laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and everybody, you know, and so we said two years, everybody we know went to Dubai. So two years and very few people stay less than two years most people stay for longer um so so yeah so there was that that whole kind of decision making process but it sort of came down to um one wanting the adventure two I was ready for that step up and this was like um you know at the time you know Dubai now accelerating with their digital transformation and all their capabilities and the investment I mean it's it's astronomical really um but certainly when I when I was over there like you know they were several years behind the UK so I knew I had the opportunity to come in and really help to bring you know digital experiences up to where they where they would be in the UK and beyond and beyond because um, you know their app that my team developed at the time is now the number one app in the UAE. I mean that's you know that was where we ended up. We really catapulted things, but um, yeah. So that so that decision to go and actually you know not just the decision to go pack the kids and the family up and go overseas. It was going to a country where English wasn't the first language. Um, and culturally so very, very different from the UK. Yeah. And I definitely underestimated that. <laughs> um, they, and, I mean, they, you know, they have some real 
culture, don't they? Like some real um, practices that are just so different to walking down the main street in Maidenhead. Um, and and to folks listening, that is a really nice market town um, southwest of London. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, yes. I think three have moved. I'm not sure they're there anymore. But um, yes, no, you're absolutely right. So I then found you know, and I went over there, you know, I had, I mean, it was extraordinary process, really, I think I had like 11 interviews, and they flew me over, and I had back to back for like 24 hours. And it was pretty intense. And it went on for a few months, and you know, lots of turning and froing. But eventually, you know, we came to to offer, pack the kids up, went over. um, And I don't think I'd really, hadn't really thought about, hadn't really thought so much about how different that culture was going to be because to me in my mind I was like I'm just going to go and do a job and we're going to go and live somewhere else for a bit I'd really oversimplified it um and and also because I'd done it from the energy of you know I want this role I want to have an impact you know the package is amazing um this is great like tick 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 this was all very much what I would talk about as decisions led from my head rather than from my heart and that's why throughout the process of being in Dubai, I went through a bit of a awakening, if you like, to what actually made me happy as opposed to what I thought made me happy. Interesting. Yeah. And so, um, you know, very, I, I would say very sort of ego. And I say ego in the sense of, you know, the, the, the part of us that likes to do well and likes to succeed and likes to appear to be um, nailing it, basically, was like, yeah, well done, me, tick, tick, tick. You know, this, this role is, this is brilliant. And then I got there and, um, and it was brilliant. It was a fantastic role um, in an organization that was really embracing change, but it was also incredibly difficult, very difficult to, because I had completely underestimated what it meant to come into a culture where um, it's a very retail, heavy, mall orientated culture. And for a good reason, right? Because most of the year, well, not most of the year, but a good five, six months of the year, it's extremely hot. Um, and everybody piles into the malls. So the malls are like real experiences. So their retail stores are like real destinations to go to. Um, and they hadn't yet really built a digital presence. So I kind of walked in and I was like, oh, uh, so I'm responsible for all of the digital platforms and um, customer facing experiences, the app, website, chatbots, all the rest of it, which we brought in later. But I was like, well, it all needs changing completely. Um, And there was just a bit of hesitation. There was like a, like, we know we need to, but we're still trying to understand why it's important. And so sounds like the the dot com boom, right? Right. (laughs) Yeah. Like, we know we need to. And we've brought you here to do that. And, you know, and I would go and I would put my case forward for investment. I would show benchmarking. I bought on IBM IX to work with us as well throughout the process. I built an incredible team. Um, I completely changed the culture of the team. We, we ripped out one of the floors actually in the building and redesigned and rebuilt it. So it was a massive co-creating, collaborating space. I chose not to have an office when everybody else had offices because that's what you did as a as an executive there wasn't the culture I wanted to work in so there was a there was a lot that that I could that I kind of did during that time but it was not easy it was not easy and actually at times it was quite lonely it was lonely there was a very strong leadership executive leadership team um but but very predominantly 95 percent male Mm. you know there was still you must have seen that a few times in your career right I have I have I have it's not unlike you know I wouldn't I, you know, it's not like unlike older institutions here in the UK, for sure. Um, 
and they were absolutely um, had a lot of plans and intentions to increase the number of women in leadership roles and just coming through the ranks generally within the organization. But I felt like I joined really at the sort of the, the start of that. Hmm. So I took my, my position very seriously as like a female leader and a role model in the organization. I found myself mentoring and coaching a lot of women um, from all over the world, including Emirati women as well, like helping to, you know, what is it, that you really desire? What does it mean to be a leader to you? What does it mean to you to be a leader in this culture? What is it that you're trying to change? And what's important about that? You know, just these conversations, conversations of, you know, actually the Sheikh talks about, you know, very much, he's very passionate, very very much around his his desire for this to be, you know, a, a balanced, you know, it, um, society, equal society, um, and all the organizations, especially the Emirati owned organizations like the company was I work for have you know behind that 100% as well but it takes time it's a big shift big big shift from where they had been to the you know the vision that they had um kind of moving forward so I took my role in that incredibly seriously um so yeah so and you know just but but what I loved about it so much was there were definitely difficult periods um but the the bits that really lit me up were working in a culture and an environment where people come from all over the world. Like I think I had like twenty different nationalities within my team. We would you'd hear walk I'd walk around the floor. I'd hear people talking in different languages all over the place. I would see people eating different types of food. I'd see people bringing that in and sharing it with other people to educate them. You know, celebrating each other's kind of cultural. Um, you know, culturally significant dates, um, or ha- the different way they would celebrate on a birthdays, and just you know these sorts of things. And I loved it. Like it was, mm. I, and there's something about you know coming together when you're an expat, and you go to a place where you know home is not just an hour away. You know, it was it was a way, it was a journey, right, to kind of get home for pretty much everybody there. And so the people that you work with and the community that you build outside of work as an expat become your family. Hmm. You know, they become, it becomes so incredibly important. So again, back to culture for me, you know, the culture that I kind of built and fostered while I was there was as important. And that was, it was, and I wrote about this the other day actually was the first time I heard the word change agent and change maker was in Dubai when one of the, um, C-suite executive said to me, you, you realize that you are one of the change makers in this organization. And I was like, what's that? <laughs> and I thanks. hadn't heard it before. What's that? I was like, sounds great. What's that? <laughs> and then I, and then I realized what it was. And, and of course I, you know, it was very, um, you know, really happy to take the compliment, but I realized he was right. He was right because my mentality was it gets to be better. You know, I'm driving change. When you work, when you choose to to be in a transformation role, and I choose to do that now, like I choose to help people transform their careers, transform their lives. Then I was doing it through transforming digital transformation to make the company better, to help the customer experience become um, more seamless, you know, so it's easier for employees as well to kind of do their jobs. You know, when you choose to work in a transformation role, you're choosing to step into the role of, of a change maker of somebody who just wants to make things better because they just should be better. Um, so yeah. 
I think that might be one of the things that motivates most of the software engineers that I've ever worked with. They, mm. they may not, uh, they may not um, articulate it or perhaps even be consciously aware of it, but they just want to make things better. So that really, yeah. uh, that really speaks to me. And, and also the, the realization of diversity. So when I, um, Melbourne is a reasonably diverse city and it's got a lot of people from Mediterranean cultures and so forth, um, but it's still quite white, right? And mm. um, Asia and India haven't fully arrived yet, not in the way they have in, say, Auckland and New Zealand. Um, and, uh, and then when I got to England and particularly when I started working in London, um, I was just like, it feels like the whole world is walking down the street. Like it feels like everybody is represented. And, uh, and I realized that to me, cultures that had representation of, from people from all over the world were succeeding and cultures that were, um, monoculture felt Mm. a little bit like they were receding to me. Um, and you're this spot on. I mean, you know, it's it's that if you're you're at a very basic level, I would say like your customer base, your employee base needs to represent your customer base, right? So if you've got a diverse customer base, which most companies have these days, then your employee base needs to also be equally diverse. Otherwise, how can you truly be in touch with what they desire and and help to? create whether it's a product or an experience for them that really meets their needs otherwise you're just out of touch aren't you such a good point Mm. Um, and Jonathan, I know you're being very polite because you've got the little ones in the background but uh, (laughs) yes but this is so your area right (laughs) yeah it is um oh yeah I, i mean growing up in london um i've always been around sort of diverse cultures right um and uh my late mom bless her heart uh shipped us off to france as well so <laughs> mm. although the cultures are quite similar there are sort of nuances there as well um and and yeah i think the experience you get from learning about different cultures and how they eat food and and you know and how they celebrate on, on different occasions and and things like that i think it has it has a good way of sort of promoting that sort of teamwork and and collaboration as well because now you understand where people come from a bit more and 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 why they react a certain way to different things that 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 you do or they see around you um and yeah i think um i actually have one question about the culture Mm. um in dubai and the culture here so um whilst you were mentoring women did you find there was a lot of common barriers in 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 um sort of the culture in Dubai and, and the culture in, in Europe? Oh, sorry, the barriers uh, for entry for women to, to sort of um, uh, enter the, the the sort of workspace, the, the, the digital space, because I find in software, which <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm currently in, um, there are a lot of, it's sort of male-driven, mm. if, if that makes sense. So I just wanted to know, were there similar barriers in, in, barriers in Dubai that there are sort of in Europe when it comes to, to um, getting women into into those sort of roles, yeah, uh, yeah, I th- I think it's it's the same the world over. Um, uh, it's, you know, from what I read and consume, as well as what I've kind of experienced personally, um, the, the you know the barriers to the, the main barriers to entry or for women uh, in terms of getting having the opportunities that they desire come down to confidence 
in the first instance. Um, there was a brilliant study done a few years ago called The Confidence Gap. Uh, it was by a couple of women in America, and they published a paper on it. And they talked about how this is inherent since children and, and you know, um, with the difference between boys and girls and, and how the activities that boys are really encouraged to do versus the activities girls are encouraged to do and the mindset that we shape unknowingly and unwillingly for boys to take risks and girls to be careful. Um, and um, how, you know, and obviously I'm generalising, but this is, you know, w- within the paper, how, you know, um, boys more teamwork girls more kind of solo work and actually what do you need when you get into a into a work environment like it's the networking it's the teamwork and actually what are women naturally brilliant at it's coming together you know they've been doing Mm. it for centuries so you know there's you know these kind of I guess influences that become stories as we get older that shape as women that shape our view of the world and what we're capable of doing and what this paper was kind of saying was actually you know it's even this confidence gap between girls and boys and men and women um starts being embedded from such a young age that you know they saw it playing out in things like um applying for a job and they would say you know they were kind of saying there was you know a a woman would in their study would look at the job description and then they would be like, oh, I don't meet it 100%, so I probably won't apply for that job. Whereas a man would look at the job description, he'd say, I hit about 60%, that'll do. And the confidence would the confidence would be enough to take him through. He'd be like, I'm going for the interview. And, you know, and little things like I've that. I've had so that actually, thought, yeah. especially <laughs> when moving country, when you've got to take the job you can get. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But it's that, like, confidence to say, I'm good enough. I'm going to go for it. Right. And it's that gap that, that women have of feeling, you know, and I mean, I'm generalizing, but it, for, the, for the sake of the, the, the point I'm making, feeling that, you know, we need to have everything ticked and everything right and everything boxed off before we kind of put ourselves forward. And why is that? It's because, you know, fear of failure, losing face, you know, people pleasing, you know, that validation that we seek from others, you know, which is all, you know, exists in men as well. Of course, it does but it's more prevalent in women. So actually, I think, you know, these are the these are the, these kinds of beliefs are slowly changing because the awareness of them is much greater. Um, and more mentoring, more coaching, people parenting in a different way. So if I look at how I parent my two girls, um, compared to the way that we were parented to compare to the way that you know, my parents were parented, like, it's just, I mean, it's night and day, it's night and day, I couldn't imagine, like, saying to my kids, there's a ceiling on what you can do, my parents never said that, but, like, you, you get my point, right, there, yeah. every opportunity is available to them, so, um, so, yeah, so I think very similar barriers in, um, but a lot of it comes down to, to confidence, and, and again, it's, it's kind of, not only as women are working their way up, but there's, it also, there's often a wobble after they've had children or when they had one thinking about having another, have another, you know, it's just, there's wobble, there's, there's points in and actually what we can do to help um, is for that not to be a thing. And one of the things I loved just before we left, but just before I left BT was the woman that we appointed to be my successor got a point, got offered the role I think it was 
a week after she went on her maternity leave. So she was given the directorship role, even though she was on maternity leave, and even though she wasn't going to come back for maybe a year because she was the right person for the job. And that, for me, I mean, that's progression that's as far awesome. as I'm concerned. You know, that that's, really that's, is. that's the sort of stuff we need to see. That really is. I think that's that's fantastic because um, I come from a family which are which are predominantly women, um, and I can't stress how much anxiety there is before sort of having leaving on on maternity leave mm. in regards to job security as well as you know just other things as well. Um, and my wife as well, <laughs> um, we've experienced that as well. So mm. um, I think that's that's a huge step um forwards and and you know uh, I think that should be welcomed everywhere to be fair mm. yeah it's a real it's a real that you know the this shaky confidence after coming back from having had to time out um I mean for me personally after my first daughter was born I came out guns a blazing mm. <laughs> I was like <laughs> I am so ready like you know get me you know, back in you know I, I it doesn't change nothing's going to change nothing's going to change me and then of course the reality <laughs> And I'm like, okay, well, it is different because you know, I have a small child and yeah. um, I can't pretend that's not the case. And then something changed for me when I then I had my second daughter um, and I felt my, my confidence definitely wobbled then. And also I wanted to spend a bit more time with them. I wanted mm-hmm. to be, you know, I went down to three days a week then actually for a period because I didn't want to miss out on them growing up. But of course, the more I stepped out of work, the less confident I felt going in. So, Do you think yeah. that might have changed now? And the, the reason I say that is uh, um, both of us have had the experience, haven't we, Jonathan, of working with execs who are very successful and very um, effective, but also work part-time. Um, mm. yeah. And I feel like it's quite a recent thing for me. I don't know about you, Jonathan. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And I think it's... Um, uh, I think it ties into... From from what I've experienced is um, that conscious leadership piece that I think Stacey um, mm. sort of uh, goes into, and and I say that uh, because I, you can really tell the difference between a leader that makes a, a conscious sort of effort to to um, to enable their team for success, if that if that makes sense. Um, so, Stacey, when you talk about conscious leadership and and you know these con and making a conscious effort um what what exactly could you could you put into words what exactly a conscious leader is yeah for sure um for me the essence of a conscious leader is somebody who is just acutely self-aware so it's somebody who really has taken the time to know who they are um and shows up with integrity compassion who's really authentic who's intentional in their actions who you know is 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 accountable um you know some somebody who isn't afraid to be seen you know this is it's an authentic leader as well right someone who's not afraid to be seen for who they are and a conscious leader you know is somebody who is willing to make willing to understand that about themselves makes it okay for others to do the same because they show up in their authenticity and their vulnerability and all the everything that comes with it um so not only are they changing themselves but they're helping to change a collective so there's like a real sense of 
unity and community here as well with a conscious leader. It's there's it's a cause and a purpose beyond self, mm. but it starts with self. Yeah. So, so how do you how do you identify your your sort of purpose? Is, uh, how, how would so <laughs> I'm, I'm lost for words here, but yeah, how how would you um what what do you mean by when you say sort of identifying the purpose and and you know the importance of it? So such a good question. Mm-hmm. Um, purpose. So so purpose, of course, from a a company perspective. So as mm-hmm. a, a conscious leader who galvanizes people behind a common purpose and a vision, will be that vision, that mission statement. You know, that purpose for being that a company will have at the very heart of its be- reason for being. Mm-hmm. Right. So. Um, BT, for example, was connect for good. So that purpose that sits underneath, there's a lot they do in terms of, you know, enabling connectivity across the country, making lives better for people because of it, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, they also have this connect for good. So there's like a real, um, there's a real purpose around people and community and connecting, you know, people within the UK for the greater good, you know, to do good with what they have so as a leader within and i'm just using bt as an example but you know a conscious leader will help to galvanize people around that purpose and that vision and that mission and to be aware of the contribution that they themselves can make and how important it is that they show up as their authentic selves in order to a little bit about like you talked about earlier the richness and the beauty of the diversity of teams so being able to you know we do not get Companies don't achieve great things with people with cultures that are revered, with people who, you know, are advocates for the brand or for the organization by just pushing people to hit a number. There are plenty of organizations that do that, right? But they'll see their cut their attrition rates will be high or their employee engagements scores will be low. But companies who do this with a real sense of um purpose and unity are those those are the companies where you find people are able to be themselves, where they have diverse and inclusive cultures and environments, where everybody knows like the role they're showing up to do each day and how they add value and how they add value, not just this is my job description, this is what I come and do, but how I add value as a human being, as an individual. This is the this is what I bring. And and actually some of that then comes back to that individual being clear on their purpose, you know, what they're here to do. And that is such a big question to ask. And it's like, you can go through many coaching sessions to get clarity on what your purpose is. And it, you know, it can evolve and change all the rest of it. But in a company environment, it's really about galvanizing around that as a collective and and, and feeling like you're a part of that collective doing mm. for good. Yeah, I think that's um, <laughs> that's a great way of of putting it because um, I think Ollie, as, as well as as well as myself, we've worked in startups um, mm. where at times it's it's a sense of you know if you're in a leadership role, if you're or if you're in a role period, and there's not that sort of purpose, there isn't that identifiable purpose where it's kind of, it's a case of okay, you just work hard 
and then mm. obviously that leads to burnout mm, yes. <laughs> and other things and you, and and you're less there's a lot of friction and it's it's not as cohesive but once you do get that that target or that purpose it it makes everything flow a lot a lot better and and you start to get the enjoyment out of it so i think um yeah i can i can definitely uh, <laughs> relate to that mm. it's um, so true and it's and it's it's but it is really important that they that the individual knows why they're showing up mm. in that role in that company for that purpose because that's not not every company with every purpose is going to gel with somebody right it's like you know it's just not so actually how does my as a as an individual how does how does my purpose what makes me happy let's mm. put it down to that what makes me happy what lights me up where do i feel satisfied and fulfilled and um does that align with the culture in this organization does it align with their purpose and their mission do I feel valued can I clearly see where I'm making a contribution am I progressing um do I feel a part of a team something bigger than myself you know so it is important that the individual is clear like you say because when we're not aligned with that and we're questioning why we're doing what we're doing that is when we lead to burnout and that's happened to me several times over and that's why I ultimately took a decision to just leap into what it is that lights me up every day. As big and scary as that decision was, it was so, the right one. So tell us a little bit about that. And uh, I, 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 I came across a podcast recently called something along the lines of No When to Jump. Um, and mm. and uh, it's from uh, a friend who's at that moment, right? Um, many years, more than a decade in one role, thinking maybe I want to do something else. Um, so what was going through your mind at that point what when did you know that you knew i i knew so i had a period um in i'm just going back in time here november 2020 october november 2020 where um i got signed off for a month with um exhaustion and anxiety for a BT. And this wasn't the first time I'd had panic attacks in Dubai um, and moments of burnout there as well. But I just papered over it. I was like, I'm just going to keep going, just keep going, keep going, keep going. It's all going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Thank it's you just, for sharing you that know. because, you know, hearing the first half of this episode, people will probably think she's amazing, but I could never be like her because she sounds superhuman. So thank you for sharing she is, that she you're not human. superhuman. <laughs> yes. No, my pleasure. It's so important. It is so important to just be honest about our journeys. Um, and, you know, my Dubai experience were, you know, at its worst, I was like panic attacks on the bathroom floor before going to work. And I did not know why. There was nothing wrong on paper. It was just like, what's wrong? Literally, I was saying to myself, like, what's wrong with you? Look at this amazing opportunity and this amazing role and this income, tax-free, you know, great lifestyle, all the rest. But I was just like, in my soul, in my heart, I was like, but I don't want to be doing this anymore. But I didn't admit it to myself. I was like, it's okay. And that's when I started on my spiritual awakening. My journey started there. And then I found, I just lent more and more into that. And I let that lead me. Hmm. But I still squashed it. I still was like, no, no, no. It's like, but this is what I do. Like I'm a digital leader. This is what I do. I've been doing this for like 20 odd years. And then I took the transition from Dubai back to the UK into the BT role. And I was like, yeah, no, because this, and I'll do the coaching on the side and that will be fine. Because this is what I do. And also, I was the main income. You know, I was the one bringing the money. And so, you know, no, I'm not in a position to say, I'm just going to give it all up because I have a responsibility here. 
So, um, but we can only squash those things for so long. And when we keep when we keep pushing them down, all we're doing is compacting it to a point at which it is a it then inevitably blows up for us. Inevitably, there comes a day where actually our soul goes, okay, you didn't want to stop. I gave you plenty of warning signs. I'm now going to stop you. And for me, that was October, November 2020. And I hit the wall. And I was like, and again, I was just like, I don't understand. You know, my job is going really well. I've got this brilliant cultural work stuff that I'm doing as well with the team, which is really lighting me up. But underneath it all, like in my heart, I was like, this is not what I came here to do. This is not who I came here to be. But it was too scary to look at. Hugely scary. Yeah, too scary. So I was like, okay. And and actually what happened was, you know, I was just in floods of tears on a Monday morning, just out of the blue, literally out of the blue. And I was on, sitting on the stairs at home. And I said to my husband, like, I, I can't even, I can't even go online. I, I, I just don't even know what to do. Um, so I called my GP and I said, this is going on. And the G, they were amazing straight away two weeks off no no doubt two weeks off come back again in two weeks probably another two weeks off just rest just sleep um and my boss was incredible he just went we're going to take care of it just go don't even text just go take care of yourself I didn't even say anything I just said I just I can't come in for two weeks I've just spoken to the GP like no problem and that's trust for you right that's when you work for somebody where you have like a good trusting relationship and in that time I literally I really did I slept for two weeks non-stop like massive recuperation in my body just huge just huge and then I came out of it the other side and there was just this voice you know and part of my coaching you know I'm a soul-led coach part of my coaching is, is intuitive coaching as well so I listen I hear what needs to come through there was a, a nudge coming through saying it's the coaching you've got to go into the coaching and I was like oh, yeah, okay fine okay okay and um but at that point still I was like but the right thing to do the safe option is to see how do I incorporate this into my role and so that was my first step and that was okay because actually uh, you know there's a great book called Big Leap by Gay Hendricks brilliant book for anyone who's considering taking a leap um uh, and you know it's this if you try to go from where you are today to that vision you've got in in the future like chances are it's never going to happen the way that you envisage it happening you know it, it's it, it's too big it's too, it's too big you know I mean I've got a vision for my business for the future which blows my mind where I want to go but I couldn't step into that tomorrow you know it's a it's a process so this was like this was like a good step forward I was like I'm taking action I'm moving forward and, and I'm, I'm okay I want to do the coaching within my role and then that kind of evolved to I'd like to look to see if I could create a coaching role for myself within BT. And then that evolved to actually, I think I want to coach in my way with my methods and everything that I bring into integrated coaching, which means doing it in with my own business. And that was like, oh, oh my God. And I actually you know, set, started the business and, and set up an Instagram account and then like just went, ah, and left it. <laughs> didn't, didn't post, didn't do anything, just went, oh, oh my God, okay, it's done. Um, 
And then, you know, kept working and I kept working with amazing coaches and mentors and just kept working on the blocks that existed for me as to why I couldn't do it, why I felt it was going to be hard. The, the terror that I had at like stepping away from something that was so deeply known to me. I knew how to do my work inside out, back to front. And I was talking about becoming an entrepreneur. Like what? <laughs> I was like, you know, it was a lot, but it was just those incremental steps. And then the minute that I did, and then I started talking, telling people I had a coaching business, you know, um, promoting it, just posting, writing from soul, this, this stuff. The next thing I knew was it was May 21. And this is a lot, this is not a very long timeline, but there's a lot happened in that time. Um, I knew by May 21, I was like, this is, this is over. My corporate career as it, as I know it today, I've, I realized I, now I've already decided, I know that my this is my path and it was June then when I had the conversation with my line manager to say I'm you know handing in my notice and he was just like of course you're off to do this it makes perfect sense um and I had a six-month notice period and that was great because that gave me the space that I needed to build my confidence even more even more even more even more um before the big day came in December and then by that point I was so in it already. I was just like, yep, you know, and every day now still um, I'm learning new things. It's like going from working with in a way that feels quite, you know, it was a blueprint to how I did things in my corporate career. Like things were different every day. Of course, they are. You work in digital and transformation. Things change all the time. But the approach, the way I showed up, how I did my work, how I led the team, you know, like it was kind of, it was well practiced. I knew where I was with it. You know, I knew how to write strategy documents and P&Ls and, you know, manage backlogs and roadmaps and all the rest of it. But do I know how to run a business and not an entrepreneur? No, <laughs> no idea. But does that excite me beyond belief? And am I learning now every day? And I'm already building a team. I've got my own backlog in my business. I'm still showing up and speaking and these things. The, the biggest thing I would say to anybody who's considering taking a leap one listen to that nudge because it is there it is telling you something and secondly don't fall into the trap of feeling like you are starting all over again because you're not and that's been the biggest thing for me is actually you know I'm an executive leader still I might be an entrepreneur in year one of my business full-time but I'm still an executive leader and I show up as her every day in my business and that's why my business will succeed and I know it because I'm doing what I love, I'm passionate about it. And, you know, I come from a place of, I'm bringing with me all these decades of experience. And that's, you know, what actually was some of the, the best advice that I was given in this transition. So yeah, it's scary, but it's also, it's an adventure I've chosen to go on um, with the family who are supporting me 100%. God love them all. I'm getting goosebumps. <laughs> what a story. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and, and, uh, that really speaks to me. The the concept of I, I did a couple of years of helping people that were unemployed get jobs um, mm. in NGOs in mm. Australia, and it was some of the hardest and most humbling um, times of my life when I really felt like I wanted to help people and wasn't equipped to. Um, and and one of the things that that I really wanted to help people to see, particularly the employers that I was putting people in front of, was that this 61-year-old Maltese mum, who was now a widow, um, was not just someone who turned up and had never done anything in her life. 
Um, mm. She was someone who had a whole life of experience that was relevant to a whole lot of different things. And so I, I really loved that, that idea of um, this is not starting again. This is taking the next step and bringing yeah. all of your experience with you. It's great, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So where do we go from there? Um, what about taking it a step forwards? How, how do you advise people to recognize conscious leaders within their teams and, mm. and then begin to support them and nurture them? I think the first thing is to recognize if you are a conscious leader. So if you're a conscious leader, you're going to see another one <laughs> a mile off um, for sure. So um, if you see in your team that you have somebody who is who continually fights for the bigger cause, you know, shows up, is compassionate and empathetic, um, always works with honesty and integrity, takes accountability for their own actions, um, very intentional in what they do. Um, and it's always asking the questions about, you know, how is this serving the greater good? You know, it doesn't have to be like the greater good. I'm like quotation marks, greater good. But like, you know, how is this best serving our customers? How is this, best, how is the, how does this come back to our mission and our purpose? You know, and how can we bring everybody on the journey with us? Some of the, you know, change makers and conscious leaders are, you know, love to kind of understand and harness the power of teams and collaboration and cooperation. So you'll see those people. They'll be the ones who are driving and inspiring and motivating others as well. And that doesn't necessarily have to be the person that's standing up doing all the talking all of the time. Let's not, you know, overlook those people who are maybe slightly quieter but equally impactful in their own way. You can be really careful not to kind of pigeonhole, you know, conscious leaders and, and change makers as people who stand on the soapbox all the time because we know that it takes, um, you know, a real kind of diversity of people to, to, to lead and to drive change. But you'll know those, you know, you'll know those people who, who, are, who are there to drive change for the better and who are always looking to better themselves and improve. And I mean that in the sense of how can I keep learning and developing and growing and how can I help others as well? Um, and, there, you know, that is find those people, you know, really listen to those people, make those people a part of the change as well. You know, they are there to help, to to lead and to nurture and to um, grow and, you know, and to help be a part of um, transformation in whatever form that takes within the organisation. But, you know, these these are leaders. These are the leaders of the future. You know, we're in this new age of, you know, it's an, even with everything that's going on in the world right now, this is, you know, a new age of, of unity mm. you know it mm. really is and there's yeah, and one of the things that lights me up more than anything mm. right now is seeing how many people are stepping forward and saying i'm here and what can i do yeah and we've seen this in in the and this has come through some of the coaching that that i do and uh, uh there's this real theme in leaders at the moment that it seems to have become okay to say i'm not okay at work mm. And mm. and that was never the case back in the day. I can I can remember in the nineties somebody saying, I think I'm suffering from depression. And mm. and that would maybe happen once a month, 
you look at today and people will say that and they stand up and other people will support them. That's amazing progress. Yeah, it really is. You're so right. It really is. So this is a, a probably quite an unpopular question for a lot of leaders, but when, when you notice those people and you see them doing all of these great behaviors that you've talked about um, and just being the leaders of the future, when they come to you and talk to you about the things they'd like to go on and do and you realize that those are no longer within your team, <laughs> what, mm. what advice would you have for leaders in that moment? Leave. <laughs> Always. My, my advice is always, well, it's two, it's, it's two things, isn't it? It's like go after what you feel you're being called towards. So my, so my role as a line manager was never to like keep somebody in the team, you know, even if they were the most talented person and I would be absolutely like gutted to see them leave. Like who am I to stand in the way of them going and fulfilling, you know, what they're capable of or following their path? They're just passing through these people people just pass through like it's like an invitation to come in to our lives and to our teams for a period of time before then passing on to do something else and somebody who is a conscious leader is is going to want the variety is going to want to experience different things impact in different ways move onwards move upwards because they recognize that actually the higher you go the more opportunity you have to drive real change because the more people you can bring on that journey with you and the more it radiates out so you know, my, if, you know, if, if I can keep somebody in the team, I would never hold them back from, from moving on. And, and actually the kind of conversations that, that I have would either be, tell me what's missing from this team and let's see if there's an opportunity to bring it in in a way that, uh, you know, benefits us and benefits you as well, because maybe I'm missing something, right? Because I don't always have the detail. Um, or, tell me what you're looking to do next and let me know how I can support you in that always. Yeah. 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 And this is something we talk about a lot, isn't it, Jonathan? And I know um, when you, when you stepped into the role that you're in that, that you suddenly found yourself creating this space for people, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was a bit of a change from being sort of uh, at the other end of it and then being able to, <clears throat> identify things and, and making making changes I mean to your point before there were people on the team that said oh I'm going through bouts of depression this and that and um, myself um, <laughs> I remember during the pandemic uh, I went to the house of, of one of my team members to, to make sure they were okay um, you know uh, during lockdown just to see if everything was good and being able to sort of make I don't want to say create a safe space, but allow that that sort of or drive that culture in the team, which allows people to say, "Okay, I'm not feeling well," or mm. you know, and everybody will rally around them rather than judge them. So I think I think that that is one of the uh, that's one of the highlights of of uh, <laughs> of, mm. of, of of being in, in, in my role now and. And uh, yeah, I think I think I speak to Ollie a lot about that as well, and. Um, I do sometimes get that air of, do you know, the imposter syndrome? Mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm, yeah. So, and, and that is, that's one of the things that, um, again, is, is really good to sort of speak to other people and, and, and sort of get feedback on there. And, you know, I'm, I'm never afraid to, to really say, I don't know anything or could you, could you please, you know, <laughs> give, give me some advice. Um, but yeah, I think, um, I think being able to, to, as you do, 
you know, to your point, as you do sort of move move upwards and, and into these different roles, um, there is a lot more opportunity. Um, and uh, and it's an opportunity for you not just to make change, you know, in terms of like the product or the service you're providing, but definitely in, in the team culture. Mm, completely. And you're so right, you know, the, like, there's nothing more um, empowering than a leader saying to you, please teach me. What do I need to know? Like, I'm, I'm not, you know, help me to understand and help me to learn. Um, and it's sh- it's a show of vulnerability from the leader, which is mm. which is with, just incredible for building relationships. Mm. Um, and like I said, also making it okay for others to do the same and incredibly empowering them for the person in the team who without a doubt is the person that's got the information. <laughs> you know that they've got they've got the power of the information it's it's impossible as a leader to to have all the details and why pretend that you do where's the benefit to that so, mm. Mm. what would you awesome. say to organizations that want to develop conscious leaders so i believe deeply in coaching cultures um and democratizing coaching and making it available throughout organizations i think the i mean the fact is, it's often just made available for pe- for for executives and for leaders who are going through times of change or transitioning, um, or who are on talent development programs. But actually, the benefit of having a culture where people know how to have coaching conversations, whether it's with their the people in their team, with a buddy, um, the power of that helps to create conscious leaders because it helps to create it helps to create or bring around bring about an understanding of self you know so when we're asking questions of somebody else about what's going on for them in the day you know how they're feeling about you know coming out of a a meeting and you can notice because actually you we're all empathetic beings and when we lean into that and we notice that somebody's energy has been a bit off or they've been a bit quiet on that day and we get curious about that and we say to them like what was going on for you in the meeting is everything all right is there anything I can do to support you just that in itself is an act of showing that you are you're enabling you're empowering somebody with the ability to start to become a conscious leader because you're opening up their awareness of others around them like even that you know that in itself um, but you've got to create the culture where people are, it's not a tell culture from the top. It's got to be a culture where people are, have got a very clear vision and purpose that they are all galvanizing around. Um, and then we kind of nurture and encourage and um, hold people accountable to getting to the, to the goal or the, the you know the, the milestone or whatever that they're responsible for in a way that is true to them, um, and that it's a, it's it's not an overnight transformation. It requires people to come in. It requires leadership teams, C-suite CEOs to be conscious leaders because it absolutely starts with role modeling from the top down and saying this is how we do it here. It absolutely starts there. That makes perfect sense makes perfect yeah. sense jonathan i think it might be time for your favorite section what do you think <laughs> Ooh, i do i do this section is called the sharing section where um we ask our guests to uh give us a bit more insight on 
the books and, and the movements that they that they're enjoying right now. Mm. Um, so the first question is quite a big one, actually. Um, who do you look? Who do you most look up to in the world? It's quite a biggie. <laughs> do you know what? I'm going to sound like really soppy when I say this, and my husband won't believe me, but I'm going to say my husband um, because, and the reason that I say that is because. He is a man who his whole career has been very successful in what he's done, worked incredibly hard. We met when we were in telecoms. um, And the moment that the Dubai opportunity came along, he, he followed my light because he knew how much this meant to me. And so he said he took the decision at that point. This is when we weren't married at that point. We actually got married six weeks before we went to Dubai because it's tricky to live in Dubai when you're not married. Um, so, um, so he took voluntary redundancy so that I could take this opportunity so we could go and explore and see what it would open up for us in Dubai. And from that moment onwards, he has chosen to be the primary child carer for our kids um and um set up his own business as well but he has always it has been a very uncomfortable um journey for him because he's very much a bloke's bloke very much in his masculine um and he's had to learn along the way one to be around two little girls a lot of the time has basically it's been quite an eye-opening experience for him um but also to it has you know there are so many men who are now coming into situations where they are, um, they're the child carer, they've taken redundancy, you know, the wife or the partner or, you know, their other half is off, you know, m- maybe the higher earner um, and giving them the opportunity to do that by stepping back and saying, I will support you so that you can go do this. It doesn't mean that, you know, they, they are any less passionate or driven about what they want to do but creating space for the person that they love to go and do what they want to do in a very untraditional way which by the way for men can bring up a lot can feel quite disempowering can require a lot of vulnerability to can bring up a lot that's been squashed since childhood right in terms of but but you know little boys are brought up to believe but this we're we're the breadwinners we are you know this is what we do so actually um because i think my husband's amazing so i'm going to say mark yeah I think uh, great man, <laughs> and good on him. Say, yeah, That's amazing. Yeah, very, very good on him. Um, second one is, uh, what book or film um, has most inspired you recently? Um, can I say a podcast? Oh yeah. So I'm. I adore Brené Brown. Um, and her, she's Brené Brown's got a podcast called Dare to Lead. She's actually currently not streaming on Spotify, but um, her her whole backlog is there. She, I, I find her so incredible, so inspiring. I really look up to her. She, um, just the way that she's shown up in all of her vulnerability about her own journey and and her, you know, and the value that she brings in terms of helping us all to understand more about ourselves. So she, her podcast is called Dare to Lead. Um, and my favorite episode that I listened to just recently was with America Ferreira, 
the actress who um, um, American actress and it was around identity and integrated leadership and it was just so eye-opening and they're so impassioned and they talked so much from a, a place that I deeply deeply resonate with that I just I love I just yeah I love her work so um, yeah a podcast Brandy Brown Dare to Lead. Oh, lovely! I think we'll add that to the uh, to the show notes as well, so our listeners can uh, can awesome. can check that out as well. Fantastic! Um, in terms of projects and movements around the world, mm. um, what what has uh, most excited you? Do you know what we touched on it earlier? Actually, which is even in this time of sadness and adversity um, and tragedy, the uprising of people who are really embracing their role here as a change maker and here to make the world a better place just fills me with so much hope, so much hope. Um, so that for me is, is it, you know, this kind of collective desire to help to make the world a better place by really stepping into what, who we came here to be and what we came here to do. And the more I see people stepping forward and doing that, the more it gives me hope. So that. Oh, nice nice so in terms of in terms of sort of the change makers this probably leads into my next question mm. uh regarding tech and and what tech is improving your life right now this is a really interesting question because i'm probably like the least tech focused at the moment because i've <laughs> got my head stuck into like how to you know getting the business going but actually I, i'm looking it's quite interesting because i've just started working with a VA and she's helping me with a whole bunch of stuff and um and actually I'm finding a renewed love for things like Trello and I'm discovering oh, yes. you know which is like <laughs> I've used forever like it backlogs in in my corporate career but now I'm creating it in a different way to to manage like you know the workload that's coming through and also I do a lot of social I show up a lot on social channels as well so Trello yeah. you know things like Buffer for scheduling like I'm learning about new tools oh, yes you know uh, Flowdesk is my email <laughs> you know my email I design my emails in Flowdesk so it's a myriad of new tools that yeah. I'm using I'm learning how to use yeah yeah I could definitely relate when we started the uh, Problem Busters podcast I think mm. Calendly was one thing that Calendly, saved, yes, saved a Stripe. lot of time yes. yeah exactly <laughs> and yeah. Trello Trello really um sort of hit me because it's like oh it's like Jira for my life oh I love it <laughs> yeah, yeah Jira for my life there you go yeah <laughs> oh so if there was one thing you would like to change in the world what would it be oh my god what a question <laughs> I would like for everybody to recognize that they're empathetic beings and mm. to re and just to just to embrace that, like, you know, just just to stop and listen, ask a question, really hear that. Just right back to the beginning of this podcast, right? Really hear what somebody is telling you. Um, and, you know, just just lean into lean into the empathy. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, <laughs> I can. I think that's 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 a great uh, I think that's a great thing. Um, I think being in a customer facing role for a long time <laughs> i think empathy mm. definitely is one of those things and, and and just in the world in general i think it costs nothing to be nice really absolutely um, it makes such a difference <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah um if there was one thing you would like people to take away from this episode what would it be to trust yourself 
just to, to trust yourself, like to trust that um, whatever you feel within you, listen to that. You know, when you feel, and we all get those like nudges or it might feel like going into the same situation every day makes us feel uncomfortable in our bodies or, um, you know, we keep get hitting burnout or feeling frustrated. Like there's a message there. There's a message. So just listen and trust what is trying to be shown to you. Um, and equally about the things that make you feel really good. So notice like when your energy feels good, when you feel full up, you know, you're just you know, you, you're in flow, things feel easy, like life's not meant to be difficult. You know, when you know, notice those moments as well, and follow those threads, you know, trust in yourself, trust, trust that you have everything within you to follow your dreams, you know, have the career that lights you up, lean into listening, noticing and just trusting what is coming from you, because all the signs are coming from there. And work with somebody who you who you trust equally, who you have a good connection with, who you can have a good conversation with to hold you through the process if it is a change that you're looking to make or a leap that you're looking to take because it's incredibly difficult to do it by yourself. Um, and, you know, to have somebody kind of hold you and guide you through the process is like worth its weight in gold for sure. I've worked with many coaches and mentors over the years and they've been invaluable um, in helping me. So, yeah, I don't feel you have to go it alone. Mm-hmm. That's really powerful. That's really powerful. Um, in terms of getting in touch with you, um, mm-hmm. Stacey, how can how can people find out more about you? So my um, website is stacey-holland.com. So you can kind of get in touch with me there. Um, there is, I'm on Instagram at Stacey Holland Coaching. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, and so any of those channels really, but, um, if you wanted to contact me directly, um, I have a conversation, then you can book a discovery call on the website or just send me an email, Stacey at Stacey-Holland.com. Thank, thank, you. thank you so much. My pleasure. My pleasure. A lot of people and, um, and I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I've loved it. Thank you. All right, folks. Well, thank you for tuning in. We look forward to catching up next time. There's plenty more to come, isn't there, Jonathan? Definitely, definitely. Thank you again. Stay safe and trust in yourself. Ciao.